You're listening to the 10X Your Agency podcast, where every Wednesday for the next 12 weeks, you'll be learning strategies on how to scale up your agency and grow your client base from successful agency owners who've been there, done it, and built a highly successful agency. You'll learn how they attract clients, what their biggest causes of client churn were, and what their challenges were at different stages of building their agency. My name is Marcus Taylor, and I'll be your host. Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of the 10X Your Agency podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Jason Swank, who is a marketing agency advisor who's helped hundreds of agency owners scale and grow their agencies. So today we're going to be talking quite heavily about selling an agency, how to build the systems, delegate so that you can scale your agency to a point where it's ready to sell. So Jason, it's a huge pleasure having you here on the show. How's it going? Thanks for having me, man. So I was just wondering, before we jump in, I was wondering if you can maybe give us a little bit of a kind of brief overview of your journey building and selling an agency and, and what it is that you're doing now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a long kind of, long kind of funny journey. You know, I, uh, I got started in the agency business kind of by accident, right? You know, one of my best friends looked like Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. Um, that was a boy band a long time ago for all you younglings uh, out there. And so I created a website kind of called In Shit, <laughs> and it got really popular. And that was my first website I created. And just like most of us, we kind of fall into this by accident. Someone was like, hey, I'll pay you $500 to do my real estate website. And then I got another $500 to do a lawyer website. I was like, man, I can make money doing this. And, um, cause I used to work for Arthur Anderson, the paper shredding company or the, the company that took down Enron. And I quickly uh, said, you know, I, I'd said no to Arthur Anderson and started doing this and I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, I remember my first client asking me for an invoice and I didn't know what an invoice was. And this was in 99. So obviously Google wasn't around. And, um, so I just figured it out and created the right systems and, and grew it up to, you know, an eight figure business, um, once, uh, the, the day we sold it and then, uh, which was 12 years, uh, later we worked with clients from, you know, Lotus cars. Like we did everything for Lotus cars in the States, um, did everything for, you know, like LegalZoom and Hitachi and all those different really cool brands and had really cool people. And then after I sold it, I stayed on with that company for, uh, nine months. Uh, my tour of duty was for two years or in the event that we sold the agency again and I was lucky enough to sell it again. And then, uh, went to go work for some friends because I was bored just sitting around when all my friends were working. Uh, and then I had old competition reaching out to me saying, how, how did you beat us? How, how did you do this? How, how did you, uh, how did you sell your agency? And I just started helping marketing agency owners out and just really loved it. And I walked them kind of through a proven system that we used when we got smart. And it just allowed them to grow and scale. And I said, well, let's uh, do a podcast. Let's do a video show. Let's, let's, let's create some value of stuff that we wish we had. So that takes us up to what we do today, right? Awesome. So I'm curious to know the, the answer to that question. When the, when the competition was reaching out to you and saying, how do you beat us? What would you say were, were kind of maybe two, two or three of the kind of key factors that made your agency a very kind of attractive agency to acquire? Yeah, a couple of things. First one, and anybody can do this, is have you ever watched the movie um, Swingers? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, it's a movie where like these, this, these guys get this girl's number and they all debate about how long should they wait 
till he calls her, right? And they always like, well, we got to be cool. You got to wait two weeks. You got to wait two days, three days. Well, agencies are like that. When someone fills out your form, you don't want to call them back right away, right? You would be like, mm. oh, we're busy, right? <laughs> so I literally would call people back like within the minute, like while they're still on the site. And I would automatically go, hey, I'm sorry it took us so long to call you back, like just making a joke. So it was <laughs> speed, right? And then getting them and walking them through a proposal, right? before anybody else responded to them, right? That was one. The other one was I would simply try to figure out what they actually needed, and I would focus all the attention on them. I made them the hero in the story rather than making them the damsel in distress, right? Because every agency out there, almost all of them, they all focus all the attention on themselves. They make themselves the hero. And when you actually make yourself the hero, that doesn't allow the prospect that you're talking to, to be the hero. And no one wants to be kind of the trusty sidekick in the green tight pants, like the Robin of Batman, (laughs) right? And, but they want a trusted advisor. So we would act as a trusted advisor. And those are just two quick things. Got it. And and I guess these are sort of cherries on top, right? Like there, there's still like a huge list of prerequisites in, in order to even be at the table considering selling or, or acquiring a business. So how long ago was it that the agency sold? 2012. 2012. So in this sort of kind of, I suppose, five years now, is there anything that you're seeing shifting or any kind of significant changes that if you were selling the agency in 2017, perhaps you'd have to do differently or any changes in the landscape around that? Well, I mean, not really since kind of when we sold it, but since we started it, yes. Because when we started a digital agency, we didn't call ourselves a digital agency. And back in like the early 2000s, we could say we were a full service agency because there wasn't that much to do, right? Mm -hmm. In the digital, like there wasn't the Snapchats, there wasn't VR, there wasn't, you know, all of these amazing different things out there, right? There was like kind of AdWords, SEO, website and development, right? There was not that much. And so you could kind of get away with saying that. So I always laugh at people that say they're a full service agency because I know they're full of it, (laughs) right? You can't be experts at everything out there. I mean, it's just not, it's not possible unless you have an army behind you. And even then it's really hard to do that. Right. Mm. And so those are some of the things that are changing, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to you know, having the right systems in place. And I think people are getting smarter now in order to figure out that they have to pick a a niche or a niche, wherever you guys are in the world, you know, that you really have to find that specialization that can really kind of separate you from everybody else, where you can be the choice rather than a choice. And do you think there's sort of different, uh, in terms of kind of digging into what that niche should be, are you seeing anything around kind of agencies that niche on a particular service or agencies that niche on a particular industry you sort of seeing any sort of strategy around choosing a niche having significant impact on the sellability of their agency there's so many different factors that go into why someone actually buys we can get into that but you know you, you have to figure out a particular niche that separates you from everybody else so a lot of people are like well we're we're the best wordpress company I'm like, no, you're not. There's just too many out there, right? And when you pick a what I call kind of a horizontal niche, right, which is picking a service, you have to pick an emerging service, right? So like I started working with 
an agency that does amazing stuff around virtual reality. Well, there's not many agencies out there that do that. I mean, can you name any? No. So I was like, hey, you could pick that particular service and you can niche down at that. And But if you're going to try to say, well, we're a Facebook agency. Now, there's so many different Facebook agencies out there or AdWords. Good gosh, right? There, everybody's an AdWords <laughs> um, certified specialist, right? So that's the kind of the horizontal niche. But then you can pick a vertical, which is an industry like you um, you alluded to. And that's usually the best to kind of start off with. But the thing is, is when you're starting out an agency, it's hard to figure out what industry you need to go after because you haven't really experimented with it. You haven't figured out which ones you don't like, mm. right? Or which ones you really have passion behind or that you really know a lot about. And then there's the third, and this is probably the the cream of the crop, right? If you can figure this out, is where the horizontal and the vertical meet. So you actually pick two. Like you pick mm. a, an industry, but then you put a particular service with it. And then that's just gangbusters, right? So like an example of that would be higher education around BlackBaud, mm. right? So BlackBaud's a particular software and then higher education, right? So that's kind of the holy grail. Got it. And obviously the more you kind of niche down, the there's a lot of benefits from a kind of a sales and marketing perspective and just the clarity of what you're offering to what the your potential clients are needing there is also the other side of the coin which is that you're you're reducing the pool of potential clients what are your thoughts on sort of striking that balance between not choosing a niche that is too limited but also having the benefits of having the niche like if you go to my website jasonswank.com right you'll see agencies all over the place right you're only marketing to that niche not saying you can't take on work outside of that like there's like I work in the healthcare industry. I work in all kinds of different industries and help them out on a number of different faucets, right? But I've even seen people that ran a million-dollar business that only went after stuntmen of Power Rangers. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> right? So that just proves that you can never nail down too much. Mm. Now, what most people say, like especially when they start working with me or going through any of my programs, they go, well, well Jason, I don't want to scare off anybody. I go, well, cool. Well, tell me how many leads you're getting now organically, not word of mouth. Well, not many. Well, then it's not going to hurt, mm. right? It's You're actually hurting yourself more, not committing to an industry because, look, I wouldn't be on your podcast. People wouldn't be reaching out to buying my programs or working with me one-on-one unless if I didn't say I worked with marketing agency owners, right? Mm. If I said I'm a, you know, just going after professional services, right? I'm, I'm a generalist. Mm. I don't understand because everybody in the agency space are like, I mean, I, I'm an agency. I'm totally different, which you are. It is a different space, right? And so anybody from the outside, it's hard to let in. And that's the same thing that people are thinking of you. If, if I had to pick an agency, like, and I went through this several times in my early career at the agency, right? So we would get lead opportunities from people in California on the west coast of the U.S. And we're on the east coast. We're in Atlanta. And so we'd get all these opportunities, but we'd always lose them. And our competitive advantage back then was our geographic region. So we would only win local business because people thought they could strangle us. But then when we actually started having a specialization and a niche, then we started winning business all over the world. Mm. So you mentioned earlier about the the importance of systems. 
When it comes to the point of selling a business, I guess one of the kind of key sort of things that needs to happen is the founder, the, the owner of the agency needs to have systemized the business to a point where they can start to step out of the day-to-day operations of the business. And what would be your advice around for an agency owner who's currently very busy having to kind of run day-to-day operations to transition to that point where they can then be in a position where they would be able to transition out of that? Well, you know, I, I literally have a couple different roles I believe an agency owner needs to kind of portray and everything outside of that should be delegated or said no to. And really at the, the end of the day, your first job as an agency owner is to lead and provide direction and communicate the vision to your team, right? Um, because if you don't provide direction to your team, then your team's going to make the best decision for them rather than the best decision for their agency. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know where they're going, they don't know where they can actually go, then they're just at a job, man. They're, you know, they're mm-hmm. not going to, you know, know what to do next. And so you want to do that because I see so many agency owners that are in such of the weeds like you're talking about, right? They're doing the project management, they're doing the account management, they're doing all of the sales, right? And that's fine in the very beginning, but it's just not scalable and you're going to burn out. And you probably suck at a lot of the stuff, Mm. right? Like I sucked at project management, even though in the very beginning I did a lot of it. I was okay at the design, but when I started hiring people, you know, they smoked me, right? And so you got to get out of your own way and you got to kind of kind of go through kind of a, a shift. I remember like when, and I'll talk about the other roles in a second, but I remember like when I actually did achieve like the, you know, the four or five roles that I'm going to walk you through. I remember I went through a depression because I was like, oh, crap, the agency doesn't need me anymore. Like the agency didn't need me anymore for the stuff that I was actually used to do that I shouldn't have been doing. But now Mm. they needed me for the new direction. And then that's when I truly grew. That's when people started acquiring about buying us. That's when we started winning the bigger accounts because it just wasn't me. Like, you know, if you're at a point where you're comfortable and you like where you're wanting to go and you don't want to grow, then fine, you know, keep it dependent on you. But if you're unhappy or uncomfortable and you want to do something different, then you need to too. The second role is to coach and mentor your leadership team and only your leadership team. And then your leadership team does that for their direct reports and so on and so on. And you never want to kind of have over four or five direct reports. It's just too many because mm-hmm. my job was always to put them in a better spot, make them be able to achieve whatever they wanted to achieve. Because look, I mean, even when, uh, you know, after I sold my agency, I went to go work for uh, some friends. Like I felt like I was at a cap. If your employees ever feel like they're at a cap, they're going to do something different because as humans, we want to grow and we want to constantly experience new things. And whenever we think we're not growing, then we're going to kind of ditch. So that's kind of the second thing. The third thing is understand the financials. You don't have to be really good at the financials. You can surround yourself with good people like a CFO or a bookkeeper, um, accountant, right? That just lets you know, like, well, how much profit am I actually making? Like, you'd be surprised at how many agencies I talk to that don't know their profit margins. I'm like, what? Or they, you can tell they kind of guess. I'm like, my God, that's the lifeblood. I don't care how many millions of dollars you are. If you're not profitable, you suck. Mm. You need to change. Like, don't brag to me or they put the media spend in there. And I'm like, come on, that's just a cop out, <laughs> right? That's a pass through. The next thing is, is to really be the front person for the agency. 
right? To be the brand, not saying put your name on the, you know, the agency, but be out there, man, set up those key relationships, be that brand. Like, you know, everybody probably knows, hopefully Gary Vanderchuk, right? And Vander Media, like he's the front man, right? And those are the key roles that you need to do and really kind of to transition from an agency owner to an agency CEO. And then when you actually do that, then your agency is way more profitable and way more attractive to someone coming to buy it. Mm. I, I suppose through your own experience and working with other agencies, what would you say are kind of the, the main things holding agency owners back from making that transition to, to f- focusing on those four areas? Just the unknown, lack of knowledge. Uh, they don't have the right systems in place. Uh, they fear their team not doing it the way they do it. Um, and they don't want to relinquish the control, right? They're control freaks. We're all control freaks. Mm. And are there any kind of things that you'd recommend to get out of that rut and, and to sort of really start becoming more comfortable with that delegation process? Take action and just try it out. Mm. You got to let your team kind of mess up. I mean, literally, like you're going to see your team coming close to, you know, the cliff. You got to let them kind of go over it first in order for them to kind of understand not to make it again. Mm. So sort of becoming comfortable with the, the kind of collateral damage that comes from relinquishing some of that control. Yeah, because the collateral damage later on is going to be that much bigger, Mm. right? If you're always doing it. Before we go on, if you're looking to grow your client base and capture more leads for your agency, then I'd recommend checking out Leadformly. Leadformly is a lead generation tool ran by yours truly that enables you to upgrade the forms on your website to conversion optimized forms that are going to increase your conversion rate and help you capture more qualified leads from your website. Using Leadformly, we've seen agencies capture up to 700% more leads. So if you're interested in giving it a try, we have a 14-day free trial that you can check out at leadformly.com. That's L-E-A-D-F-O-R-M-L-Y.com. Once again, that's at leadformly.com. One of the hardest parts in an agency, I think, to, to scale is is often sales, particularly in an agency environment, when you've got that kind of treadmill effect of client retention perhaps not being where it needs to be and so you've constantly got to sort of fill up the top of the funnel to replace the clients that um, are being lost at the bottom what are your thoughts on scaling and systemizing sales and in particular where to focus on in the funnel at different stages of the agency so whether to focus top of funnel lead conversion client retention like where would you focus at different parts of growing the agency well, there's a lot there. So the first part is, is you got to build a, a predictable pipeline. Okay. And you're always building this pipeline. You can never just go, Oh, I got this big client. Now I got to figure out on delivery. Then you're going to always constantly go up and down, right? You're going to be like, Oh, I got this big client. Revenue is great. Now I'm going to you know, focus on delivery. Then I focus on delivery. And then three months later, your sales is shit again. Right. And so you got to kind of focus on kind of three different channels. You got to have an inbound channel where you focus on putting out goodwill and providing people a way of like creating a really compelling rich media blog or podcast or video show, right? Like I'm so tired of agencies putting out the crappy ass blogs. Like how to pick an agency? How to I'm like, come on. I was like, be creative. And you know, I can beat you guys up on this because I used to do this stupid shit. And so, you know, you, you gotta kind of and I know why you guys do this, because you guys have not picked a particular niche to go after because you don't understand them. 
But that's why it's so important to pick that out. Then you can create this really compelling inbound channel where you basically, your content you put out becomes a webtility, right? It becomes just like the name sounds, a utility. You need that, right? And so you need that. And you need to be able to capture information like too many of us. You know, on the agency space, they just say, oh, I'm going to assume people are going to go to my contact page and fill that contact page out. I'm like, yeah, when they need it. But what about the 60% of people that are not ready yet? Oh, I don't know. They'll come back. They're not going to remember you unless you get their information and you constantly create this really good campaign, um, you know, over time and, and you keep them coming back to your utility. All right, so that's the first one, inbound. The next is have an outbound strategy. Yes, I said pick up the damn phone and call targeted people. I'm not just saying call, like, please don't hire a, a call center, right, that just does a thousand different, you know, calls. I'm talking about having a really compelling strategy. Like, we would call people that were spending over a certain amount in AdWords, and we'd say, hey, we know you're spending over 20 grand in AdWords. There's certainly a lot of things that could be going wrong with people people that spend over this, we'd like to do an audit. Boom. We'd get in there every time and sell them. Mm. Right. So have an outbound strategy and then have a strategic partnership strategy for, you know, and I'm not talking about a referral partner back and forth. Who cares about that? I'm talking about like, if you're going after the higher education market, you should be partnering with BlackBot, which is one of the biggest software tools out there for the higher education market. Right. Mm. That's a strategic partnership. And then how can you align yourselves to do joint marketing, joint events, that kind of stuff. Because if one or two channels goes down, you still got the other one, right? Because too many of us are just relying on word of mouth and word of mouth is not scalable. Does it make sense? Mm, Yeah. And in terms of like the order of those, particularly sort of generating leads versus focusing on retention, what would be your kind of advice around, let's say, client retention, average client stays for, let's say, 10 months or 11 months, what would be your thoughts on going into an agency and you've got a sales and marketing problem, would you recommend ramping up inbound, outbound marketing or focusing on client retention before you do that or a kind of simultaneous approach where you tackle both at the same time? What would be your ideal way of solving that situation? Well, if your retention's not there, you need to make a major change because it's not worth bringing anybody else in right? Mm. Because <laughs> there's something wrong. So you need to fix that. Um, you know, I mean, it's easier to sell to an existing person that already paid you, right? So once someone pays you, they're 20 times more likely to pay you again if you actually deliver. But the the, the problem is, is people just go, oh, you know, that, that's why I had to bring people on my team. Like I'm a hunter. Like I like the the hunt. I'm not a farmer. I don't want to wait, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and constantly, you know, farm it and that kind of stuff. That's why I hired people that do the complete opposite of what I would do. You need to focus on the retention, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you can't bring in the business, most of the time, especially when agencies are growing, the clients that they bring in now are basically from word of mouth. So a lot of those are actually the wrong ones, especially when you actually want to grow. And that's the kind of the, the kind of the thing that the agencies get into a lot is they keep getting the same types of clients, right? And they hit a, a certain ceiling and they can't 
branch through that. So I tell people, look, make sure your retention's good for the next stage. But a lot of these clients, you don't want anyway. They're not profitable. They're constantly always demanding stuff for you that is out of scope and they don't want to follow your process because you didn't have a process then. Now you try to put a process on them. So you kind of want to get rid of them and go on to the new, right? And so that's why I kind of talked about those three different channels is right now you may have a lot of the wrong clients. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I always have a motto that there's no such thing as a bad agency client. There's only a bad prospect or a bad process. And you've got to figure which ones of those are happening. And hopefully it's just a bad prospect, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the clients you have now were probably bad prospects, but you let them in because you were struggling with cash flow. So when you mentioned about the, the roles of the, the founder, the four areas that the, the agency owner, the founder should focus on, I was almost expecting one of those to be related to to hiring the team. At what point would you say it makes sense for the the agency owner to step away from kind of recruitment and building up the team? If I could do it over again, I would have hired an HR director when we were at 10 people rather than when we were around 25. When you're still sort of 10, 15, 20 people, it's still at that point where every single person represents a large piece of the pie, so to speak, and and can have quite a big impact on the agency. So stepping away at that point and and delegating that to a HR person, what's the thinking around doing that a bit earlier around the, the 10th person? Well, the reason why people don't do it early on is they're not charging enough and their profit sucks. So they can't afford that person. Mm. Right. And look, my time as an owner or as a CEO is worth more than everybody else's. I get paid the most. Mm. Right. So if I have to go search LinkedIn, I have to do all these interviews. It's the opportunity cost. Most people don't look at the opportunity cost of what it's actually taking you away from and all the other stuff you need to do. Right. Mm. If I could come up with a marketing campaign, if I could meet with the the perfect strategic partner that could bring me ten million dollars worth of business, but no, I, I needed to interview this person. Mm. Ten million dollar opportunity cost. People don't look at it that way. They look at, you know, I can't I don't want to hire someone non billable. Well, okay. But then that makes you non billable. Mm. <laughs> Jason, I want to, to go through a couple of quickfire questions, but last question I want to, to go through in, in the main chunk of this interview is what happens after the sale? So I think I was listening to an interview that you did where you mentioned that after selling the agency, you weren't quite sure what to do next for a little while until you, you spoke to a friend who asked to help her agency. I was just wondering if you had any advice, if you were to kind of go through that process again, what you might do perhaps differently to prepare for that post-sale situation of, of what to do next. I wouldn't do anything different because, and like, and I can't tell you guys what to do because everybody's different, right? The one thing I think a lot of people are very similar, especially in the agency space, right? We all think the grass is greener on the other side, mm. but the grass is greener on the side that you water. Like for example, every agency owner wants to create their own SaaS tool <laughs> because they go, Oh, you know, creating a a product, we can make reoccurring revenue and we don't have to deliver anything. We just have to maintain technology and all that. So I developed an iPhone app. I did that. I hated it. Mm. I like dealing with people. Right. But I looked at like my friends that created Pardot or, you know, any of these big tools and they sold it for gazillions of dollars 
or, you know, they didn't have to do all this, but they had all different types of challenges. Yeah. They didn't have the specific challenges you had, but all different sets. So don't think about, well, I'm going to sell my agency. and I'm going to create a product. Sure. If you were meant to create a product, you would have done it already. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, th- th- that's one of the things that, that may save you some time or may keep you into running the agency. Look, if you create an agency that's extremely profitable, making you millions and millions, why would you sell it? You know, I sold it because I wanted to do something different and I wasn't really keen with a business partner that I had, Mm -hmm. right? I wish I should have bought them out, but, you know, looking back at it, but, but then I wouldn't be doing this, which is the coolest thing I've ever done. But a lot of people also too look and go, well, I'll sell an agency. I'll do exactly what Jason did. Cool. Do it. If that's really what you're really want to do, don't do it because it looks cool. Like there's still a lot of work that go into it. So, you know, just find what you're really passionate about and go do it. And what, what would you say are a good reasons to sell an agency? You kind of touched on if you're not, so you mentioned business partner that you weren't keen on, but also wanting to do something else. Are there any other reasons that you think are good, valid reasons for selling an agency? Yeah. If, if you say to yourself, if we, we could only do this, if we had more cash, mm. right. Or, or you want to expand into different things, right. That makes sense to merge with another agency. Just be careful. Like I always tell people with business partnerships, you either know the bad partner or you're the bad partner. <laughs> That's kind of how I look at it. But that's a, a good reason. Uh, you want to do something else. <laughs> One of the funny things is why people actually list or sell their agency or their business is their lease is up, mm. which is really strange. But if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like that's the longest commitment you actually have to make. Like usually you sign a three, five year lease, mm. right? And it's for a big chunk and it's tied to you personally. So, you know, you know, that, that was always kind of strange to me or, or, or people are like getting ready to retire. Right. Mm. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I, I tell everybody there's only one fourth of 1% that actually get the seller agency for a profit. So it's very, very unlikely that you will sell it and make the money that you actually want for your agency. Um, so what I tell people is, is look, you can create an agency that's extremely profitable that you can hire other people to run. You can create an agency that is incubator for creating other products and programs and follow your methodology. And that's most of the time what I tell people because like a $5 million agency will come to me and they're kind of in the uh, no man's land, right? They're not big enough yet for the big boys to buy them, but they're too big for someone else to buy them. Mm. And they're kind of in the no man's land. And then they're like, well, they get offered like a million dollars and they're like, that's what? No, (laughs) (laughs) a million dollar agency will think they're worth $10 million in cash. I'm like, think again. Mm. So, so just want to go through the, the quick fire questions. First one is what would be your number one book recommendation for agency owners to read? Uh, don't read books. So, uh, but I would, um, I just listen to podcasts and videos, so I'll do a shameless plug. Listen to my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Are there any particular resources that are a logical starting point for an agency owner, like any particular courses or things that you've put together that that would be good? Yeah, you're setting me up, dude. (laughs) Thank you for setting me up. Uh, Yeah, so I put together an agency playbook. So literally I took everything that uh, made us successful and I put it into a kind of an eight-system framework that they can follow. So if you go to my website, um, you know, jasonswank.com slash 
playbook you can get there or type in agency framework uh, and it will get you there and you can go through it. But that's one. And then obviously the other resources I put out, I have a resource page. So just go to slash resources and it will go go through a couple of the resources that you need. So. Perfect. And we'll, uh, we'll pop a link into the, the show notes for those as well. All right. What's the next shameless plug we need to put in there? Right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't have a tool, do you? <laughs> the next one is what's your, your favorite tool for agencies? So no, I don't have a tool. So good. I don't have to do a shameless <laughs> plug. Um, I love Infusionsoft, even though I call it Confusionsoft sometimes. <laughs> but you know, I don't just use it for uh, marketing automation. I use it for onboarding mm. and a lot of the internal stuff too. So, what's one piece of advice that you would give to an agency owner who's currently in that kind of no man's land? Let's say anywhere from kind of one to five million push through to eight figures set up the right systems systems outperform talent all day long like you could have the most amazing talent but if you don't have a system for them to follow it's worthless right so make sure you have the right systems make sure you document everything that's the only difference between an eight-figure agency owner and where you are now what's the biggest cause of client churn that you see in agencies that you you've worked with and what's an effective solution to solve it? Lack of documentation because, you know, and, and communication, right? So, you know, we just, um, we don't take the time in the very beginning to really kind of walk the clients through the, the plan and the process that you're going to take them through from the very, very beginning, not after they sign the contract, right? And this will help you with scope creep and all that good stuff. But and then to document everything, because if you don't document everything, look, your, your clients are working with a thousand other people and have a thousand other things on their mind. They're not just working with you. So they're going to forget. So if you don't have the good documentation and communication, that's what's going to cause them to leave. And I guess results too. get them results. That's the number one. <laughs> Always helps. <laughs> Always helps. Um, so final question is what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment? You know, I'm just fine tuning everything that we're doing. Like we really just narrow focused everything. Like I used to have so many different services and programs, but we really just put all our focus. Like I just in the the playbook, it's version three. We totally redid everything on it. So this whole year in 2017 is just to make things just the best they can actually be. So we can be the number one resource in the world for agency owners. Amazing. Jason, it's been a huge pleasure having you on the show and some really amazing insights. If people want to to learn a bit more about what you're doing or, or connect with you, what's the best place for them to to find out a bit more? The best thing, guys is, and girls, to go to the website, jasonswank.com, and Swank is spelled S-W-E-N-K. I'm not related to Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right, Jason, huge pleasure having you on the show. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10X Your Agency podcast. If you're interested in acquiring more leads for your business, I'd like to invite you to a free webinar that I'll be hosting on how to acquire 300% more leads from your website without increasing your traffic. In this webinar, I'll be sharing how you can turn your website into a lead generation machine, four strategies on how you can boost your form submissions by 300% and much more. So if you're interested, all you need to do is go to Google, type in Lead Formly, acquire more leads. That's Lead Formly, spelled L-E-A-D-F-O-R-M-L-Y, acquire more leads. And the landing page to register for the webinar should appear at the top. As I said, it's completely free and we run this webinar every single week. So once again, thanks for listening to this week's episode and stay tuned for next week's episode of the 10 Agency Podcast.